Well, good morning to everybody. How are we this morning? Doing all right. Happy New Year to you. Like Jerry had said before, I'm Chris Bell. I'm the student pastor uh, here at the Ridge, and I'm privileged to be able to be here. Um, But I'm even privileged as well. This is a picture of my family to have. If you have never met us before, our family, this is my family. Um, The smile on my daughter's face, that's exactly, that's her personality. She's always just going, right. well, right now she's getting into stuff. She's disobeying, and so she's learned how to... Um, she blatantly disobeys. She knows what no means now. But uh, if, if I'm telling her something, she'll be like, zip it. She says, zip it. And I'm like, oh, you better. <laughs> but I don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, discipline that because she, then she laughs and thinks it's cute. But I'm, now it's cute when she's a teenager. I don't know. But I'm privileged to be uh, the husband to my wife. We met in college. The rest is history. Um, We were both going through a difficult time, and so she is the organized side of me, um, which you'll learn a little bit more about later on in the message. And then my daughter, she just brings so much joy to our lives, and we're so blessed to be able to have her. And so um, she's the sweetest of Madisons that I've ever known, and so she's the apple of my eye. But uh, even I'm even so privileged to be the student pastor here at the Ridge. I mean, I get to learn new dance moves. All middle school parents know the this thing. I mean, you can't, you can't get away from it because you're watching a sporting event and you see a kid. We're going to the Pacers game on Monday and I guarantee you on the Jumbotron, I'll see a little kid doing the floss thing. Um, and so uh, we, I get to learn new street talk, new words all the time. I get to smell unending amounts of body spray uh, or none at all, right? It's like, it's, a, it's just a perfect balance of body odor and body spray. It's, I remember I shared a room with my middle school brother when he was in middle school. It was gross. Um, but uh, we've all been there, though. I get to see the joy in a middle schooler's eye when pizza enters the room. Once pizza enters the room, they're different beings. It's just like everything else in the world doesn't matter. Um, I get to help high school students um, answer some of those big questions that they're asking, right? They're trying to put two and two together. How does God fit in a big world, and so, in a big broken world at that, and so the, I'm, I'm just privileged to be able to work with students, and even though I'm very privileged, and I'm very blessed, I've also walked through difficult times, and I uh, can recall a time in my life where I walked through one of the darkest valleys that I'll ever walk through, and we'll get into that here in just a bit, um, but I think everyone in here can recall walking through dark valleys, and once we walk through, or you know somebody who's walked through a dark valley, and once we're in a dark valley, we tend to ask the question, where is Jesus? Because it's dark, it's not giving much to sight. Um, and we, and what, for quite frankly, what we see isn't matching up with what we believe or what we've heard. And so I'd just love for us to take a moment to recall the year of 2018, maybe reflect on it. And for a lot of us, it's probably painful. For a lot of us, and I, including me, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm, I had a great year. The hardest part of my year was getting in a U-Haul and driving up from Florida to Indiana. Um, but I had a great year. And so those of us who've had a great year, we're at the top of the ladder, right? We feel close with God. There's no complaints up here. And this is scary, right? That's the only complaint I have up here. Um, wow. Uh, and so we're up here close to God. Everything's going really good. It's no complaints at all. But we know somebody, if we think long enough, hard enough, we know somebody who's down at the bottom of the ladder who we, who's going through a dark valley, right? And so for those of us, maybe you've heard the word cancer this year. And that's terrifying because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I can't tell you what the outcome is going to be, right? But there's an answer 
during that dark valley. Some of us are struggling in our marriage and our relationship is struggling and we don't know if we can continue to move forward with the person we once stood across from and said, I do. Maybe you had a partner, boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife who cheated on you and you're just kind of in this world of what in the world is next? I have no idea. And that's maybe part of the marital tension. Maybe for you, struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. Maybe it's financial desperation because you lost your job or you had to settle for a less than desirable job. And then you find yourself eventually, as mentioned in the video, you find yourself on your knees. And while everybody's at the top close to God having a great time, you're in a dark valley. And you can recall 2018 as one of the worst, most miserable years of your life. And for those of us who, at the, who are at the top, I would encourage us, and including myself, that we need to know and we need to have in mind the people who are going through those difficult times uh, during these dark valleys. And so we ask the question, where is Jesus? And so quite frankly, our beliefs start to turn into an unending amount of swirling doubts. And what we see does not match up with what we believe, or at least what we've heard. And so this morning, we find ourselves camping out in the book of John. We find ourselves camping out. This is following the last days of Jesus' life. Um, and we find ourselves more specifically this time that we're looking at. Jesus is interacting with the disciples. He has already been crucified, and he has approached them, and they see him for the first time in his resurrected state. And they've locked themselves in a room in fear of what might happen to their lives. And so I think for us to get an even better understanding of what we're looking at today, we need to understand what John's purpose was in this book. And at the end of the book, John writes out what his purpose was. Uh, in chapter 20, verse 31, he says, These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you may believe that Jesus is the sustainer of life, the creator of life, the giver of life. And through that, you would have life in his name. And so my prayer for us this morning is that we would be able to leave this room, whether we're at the top of the ladder, that we can bring life to people who are in the darkest valleys, and we too would be able to participate in that life. Or those of us who are in the deepest, bottomest, darkest pit of your life, that hopefully, somehow, some way, you would be able to walk out of this room with a glimmer of hope and some new life in your veins. All because of Jesus. So before we dive into the word, I'd love for us just to pray together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for this season. We thank you for the focus that we are able to give. We thank you for dying the death that we deserve. We thank you for even coming into this broken world to live in our neighborhood, to be among us, to be with us. So God, we still reflect on that. We're even more thankful for the resurrection, that you didn't stay in the grave, but you defeated death. And we too have a hope that if we call upon your name and that if we follow you, we too partake in that resurrection, even in the darkest valleys. Jesus, may your word, God, may your word together convince us, not nothing that I say, but your word would thoroughly convince us that we have life in your name. And we pray this in your name. Amen. 
And so today we're going to be looking in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. And as we reveal each truth, we're going to reveal where that truth comes from in the scripture. And so first truth that we have, and it's in your notes, is this, is that when all hope seems lost, Jesus shows up. When all hope seems lost, Jesus, he shows up. And we pull that from the verses 19 and 20. And it says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, they were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. I want to put a pin in that for a moment, um, because I think this is important. At this point, the disciples have been hiding away for three whole days because they are terrified of what's going to happen next, right? They weren't just hiding, but they were in emotional turmoil. They were in a place of hopelessness. They were in a place of defeat. And John gives us this insight into this raw emotion of those who were closest to Jesus. And they're in one of the darkest valleys that they had ever been in. I mean, we believe in Jesus, but we don't see Jesus. What we see isn't matching up with what we believe and what he has taught us. So they're locked in this room, and the two feelings that I think that they're feeling the most is, number one, is fear. They're afraid. They're terrified of what the officials might do to them, and so they hide and they lock these doors behind them, and they listen to every footstep. They listen to every conversation. They listen for every knock at the door of what is going to happen to us next. If they kill Jesus in that manner, what are they going to do to us And so this question they're asking is, where is the Prince of Peace when you need him? Because all we feel is fear. And the next feeling they have is confusion. Is Jesus a lunatic? Was this man that we were following an obsessive liar? Is he really who he said that he was? This man that the disciples gave up everything for, They gave up their families, their careers, their passions to follow this man named Jesus to carry on this mission, and now he's dead. This man that said he was the creator of life, this man that said he was the giver of life, this man that said he was the sustainer of life, now lays in a cold, dark tomb, and the disciples are terrified in a dark room, confused, trying to put the pieces together. And another question they're asking is, where is the hope of the world when you need them? Because all we feel is hopeless. We have no reason to live again because this man that said he was our everything has been dead. So all hope seems lost for these disciples. Their finite minds were bound by earthly limitations. But then check out what happens next. It says that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he shows them his wounds and it says that the disciples were overjoyed because they knew that the man that said who he said he was was standing right before them and all fear and confusion immediately left the room because the resurrected Jesus, the one who their hope had rests in, was standing right before them. He was standing right before them, and he brings peace. And anytime we see this phrase that Jesus says, peace be with you, what Jesus is saying is you have no reason to worry. You have no reason to worry or be afraid. 
I'll never forget of a time when the hope that I had, I had lost it. And it was born again. But in eighth grade, I went through one of the darkest, deepest valleys of my entire life. And what was so frustrating about it is I cannot pinpoint why. I had beautiful family. My parents supported me in my athletic endeavors and they taught me Jesus and they made sure that I was in church and they made sure that Jesus was number one and they loved me so well. I had friends all around me. I was actually a pretty popular kid in my school. I was kind of the athletic star and so that drew just natural attention and natural leadership. In eighth grade, I went through a season of deep, dark depression and was ready to take my life. I started having thoughts in October of 2003 and I felt so alone. It was to the point that when my parents would go Christmas shopping, I would beg them with tears not to go. And one of the most frustrating things for them was, why is he going through this? I don't understand why he's doing this. So eventually got to the point where I knew they were going to go, so I would just stay back. And I was in charge of my siblings. And so I went through this season. And I found myself... Asking Jesus, did he hear me? Does he care? Where was he? And so fast forward a few more months uh, or weeks into Christmas Eve of 2003. I found myself standing at a kitchen counter. I found myself in a place of fear and confusion. And ultimately I found myself with a kitchen knife to my throat ready to take my life at a, right before midnight. I was thoroughly convinced this was the best route for me. While my family lay sound asleep in their beds, I was crying at a kitchen counter with a knife in my hand, afraid of myself. But then I can't explain it to you. All of a sudden, there was this peace that entered the room, and Jesus showed up. Now, he didn't show up literally, and I didn't see him physically, because I probably would have tried to assault him, thinking he was a burglar ready to take our presents. But I can tell you that there was this inexplainable peace that just overwhelmed me, and I cried. These tears fell from my lonely and desperate eyes, and I had this knife in my hand, and it felt like good angel, bad angel, and two different beings were convincing me of two different worlds, and thank God Jesus' voice was louder, and it always will be. And so I put the knife back in the drawer where it belonged. And it wasn't that Jesus didn't show up for the first time in my situation. It's just that Jesus broke the barriers of my blindness to get my attention. Because when you can't find Jesus, Jesus has come to find you. And so where in 2019 do you need to see that Jesus is showing up? A few mornings ago, I was frustrated because I couldn't find my belt. And so I went downstairs and my wife was making coffee and feeding Madison and I was getting ready to come to work, and I said, where in the world is my belt? I'm frustrated, right? She says, babe, it's exactly where you always put it, or exactly where I always put it, because you leave it out in random spots. And so I go upstairs, I'm like, whatever, it's not there, I've already looked there. And so I walk into the closet, and it's sitting above where my pants hang in the closet, exactly where my wife said it would be. 
It wasn't that the belt wasn't there. It's just I was looking in all the wrong places. And the same thing with our darkest valleys. It's not that Jesus is never there. It's just that we always tend to look in the wrong places. And so the same is true for us. And I want to ask you, maybe your financial situation is tough and you are relentlessly searching for the next source of money flow while you continue to run past Jesus saying, just stop and hold on. Maybe your marriage is struggling because we tend to habitually run to things other than Jesus. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you've cried to everything and everyone but you've been angry at Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'd rather you be angry at me than to turn your back on me. Maybe we just need to fall into his arms. Maybe you're dealing with depression and anxiety and you've turned to so many other sources to satisfy your need. Whatever it is you are going through, know that Jesus is there. And when we find Jesus, it leads us to our next point. When Jesus finds us, I think is more right to say, Jesus gives us purpose. And that leads us into truth number two, is that when all hope seems lost, Jesus brings purpose. And we pull that from verses 21 and 23 that says this, and Jesus said, again, here he goes again, peace be with you. You have no reason to fear, no reason to be afraid. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. And so again, we see Jesus approaching them with this greeting. Listen, children, peace be with you. You have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to be confused. I'm right here. I'm exactly who I said I was going to be. It may not have happened in your timing, but I'm exactly who I said that I am. And so he gives them this affirmation and he tells them, listen, you've been through it. People need it and you've been through it. So I want you to go out and I want you to share with the rest of the world who are in dark valleys that Jesus is exactly who he said he is and he loves you beyond all that you can imagine. So go and share this hope with the rest of the world, this dark and broken world. Jesus is saying the time has come to end your fear and confusion. Stop withering away by just sitting in this upper room and go live life with purpose. Your battles are not going to end, but you will be able to move through the dark valley with purpose now. It's better to move than to not move at all. So the same resurrected Jesus that stood before these disciples was the same resurrected Jesus that filled that dark and lonely kitchen that I stood in as an eighth grader. And it was so unexpected. The same peace that Jesus was saying, peace be with you, was the same peace that Jesus brought to me. And as I stood there, I remember the tears never stopped flowing. And I remember thinking this thought in my head that could only come from God himself, that could only come from the good Lord himself. It was, hold on, I've got a plan for you. Hold on, I've got a plan for you. And it seemed to get louder and louder every time that I thought about it. Hold on, I've got a plan for you. And I got so frustrated because I was like, Jesus, what in the world? What kind of plan do you have for me? I don't know what it is. He says, you don't need to know what it is. You just need to take your next step in faith. And I am the resurrected Jesus, so have hope in me because I've got control of it all. So the next morning was Christmas, and you think after an encounter like that, it would all go away, right? It didn't. I woke up still wanting to take my life. Except this time I had a phrase in my head that stuck with me. 
hold on, I have a plan for you. And so my dad prayed around the Christmas tree like we did every Christmas morning, as far back as I can remember. He always said a prayer of thanksgiving by thanking God for sending the best gift that we could ever receive, being the light of the world, the hope of the world. And I sat there and thought about that, and my dad was speaking that life. Little did he know what I was going through. And I had hope, but the battle wasn't over, and my purpose was just beginning. And so are we truly living if we're not living on purpose? And I would say no. Just like the disciples, we find ourselves without purpose, sitting in a dark room with locked doors, and we're not moving anywhere because it seems like there's nothing to live for because we're afraid, we're confused, we're hopeless. Thomas Carlyle once said, a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. They have no direction. So I want to ask you, where do you try and find your purpose? Do you find your purpose in your spouse? Do you find your purpose in your career? Do you find your purpose in your kids? Do you find your purpose in likes on Facebook or followers on Instagram, retweets on Twitter? Those things are not inherently bad. I have an Instagram. I have a Facebook, and I love my wife, and I love my daughter. But they can never satisfy the ultimate need that I have, that I need as a person, as a human, and that is Jesus. We are always looking for what's next. Where does our purpose, where do we find our purpose? And you might be thinking, Chris, this has nothing to do with the dark valley that I am in, except that it does. Because without purpose, we just sit still in this dark valley. Purpose will not take away the dark valleys in our lives. It'll only help us move through them. And I can't promise you what the outcome may be. But I know that no matter what the outcome may be at the end of a dark valley, is that Jesus is with you every step of the way and our ultimate prize is being with him in heaven. People need it. You've been through it. And I thought about my purpose and I started to connect the dots and I was like, it didn't make sense then, but it does now. We see how many teenagers are struggling with suicidal issues. And this doesn't make my story any more important than yours. But you might not see it in the moment, but you will be able to connect the dots later and be eternally grateful. And when Jesus is saying, people, students need it, Chris, but you've been through it. And that was my purpose. And to this day, I have no desire to leave student ministry because I know that it's my purpose. God may call me so, I don't know, but I'm begging him just to keep me there for a while. Which leads us to truth number three, is when all hope seems lost, Jesus matures our faith. When all hope seems lost, Jesus matures our faith. Because I think we can all agree that difficult circumstances have helped refine and shape who you are today, and it helps you to be stronger to face the battles that may come in your future. And we're not going to read this entire text. I'm just going to kind of give an overview for, the, for time's sake. There's this disciple named Thomas, and John gives us insight of Thomas. And so this is a week later after Jesus has approached the disciples and revealed himself and shows his wounds. And so Thomas finally shows up to the picture, and the disciples are probably giving him hugs and high fives, chest bumps. Like, brother, we've missed you. We're so glad that you're back. I know that it's been a struggle. I know that you've been confused. But let me tell you who we saw. We saw Jesus, and Thomas is like, no, you didn't. You didn't see Jesus. 
Because the only way that I believe that you saw Jesus is if I can see him myself and touch his wounds, which is kind of gross when you think about it, right? But to touch his wounds. And so Jesus shows up in one of Thomas's darkest valleys. And the disciples are probably like, see, told you so. And Jesus reaches out to Thomas and confronts his doubts, his fear, his confusion, and says, touch my wounds, Thomas. And so Thomas no longer needed wounds to touch. Seeing Jesus right there in front of him was enough. And his faith went from dead to alive. And the battle for me as an eighth grader wasn't over. Right? And like we said before, one would think after an encounter like that, it'd all be gone. And I struggled. I still went to sleep to rid of the thoughts. I still prayed over and over, but I had that one thought running through my head where I knew I had hope. And I'll never forget about a week before Easter of 2004. We're in the new year and I've been struggling with it for three months. I walk outside and there's finally green grass. The trees had life. The flowers were blooming right by the flower bed that my mom had planted in the, by the back porch. I had a basketball in my hand and the sun was out. I'll never forget this. And I looked around and I smiled for the first time, an authentic and real smile in almost six months. And I told myself, Chris, you're going to be okay. And I just started tossing this basketball. And then all of a sudden I had this thought, this revelation that came to me. And Jesus was saying, Chris, just like I'm reviving and resurrecting this dead world around you, I am resurrecting you and you can have hope in me because the reason, the only reason things are resurrected is because Jesus ultimately resurrected from the grave and defeated death and gives us hope and overcomes all of our fears and our trials and our circumstances. They're tough, yes, but Jesus walks with us the entire way. And so you may be thinking, Chris, I, I have never seen Jesus. I've never physically touched his wounds but listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. This doesn't completely eliminate the chance that Jesus may show up to you in your kitchen, right? He shows up in a multitude of different ways. But I just want us to think for a moment that because of Jesus, we have hope. We have a reason to fight. We have a reason to live. We have a reason to take our next step. And like we mentioned before, a lot of us, maybe not a lot of us, but for me, I'm at the top. And I can think of my cousin who was in the last service before. I didn't say this then, but he is struggling with all sorts of different issues. For those of us who are at the top, a lot of times we look in the wrong places. It's not that Jesus isn't there. We just look in the wrong places. And we look up at the top and we see Jesus and we're like, Jesus, I can't measure up to what you're asking from me. There's no way I can do this. I feel too weak. I feel too afraid. I'm very much inadequate. And Jesus is saying, this ladder was never here for you to climb to me. That's why I came down to the world so that I could come down to you. And those of you who are in the dark valley, Jesus is picking you up and he's speaking life. We just have to listen, 
hold on, walk on, cry on, whatever you want to feel, Jesus is saying, I'm going to hold you through it all. And he's going to pick you up and he's going to say, hold on, I've got a plan for you. And even though you're struggling with financial insecurity, I just need you to take your next step. Even though you're struggling with suicide, depression, anxiety, just take your next step. Even though you're struggling in your marriage and you don't know what's next, take your next step. Even though you're struggling with losing your job and you don't know what's next for you, take your next step. Because you may not see it now, but finally when you get to the top, you'll be able to connect the dots. And I can see my story. And I can see when Jesus showed up here and I can see over Easter, being able to celebrate the resurrection. And for me, that was a particularly amazing time. But I want to ask, where are you at as we wrap up the year 2018? Because all I know is that I do not want to live life without hope and purpose because I think a lot of us, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. We spend all of our energy running and searching and not enough time resting where Jesus is saying, just fall back. And Jesus died the death that we deserved, but thank God he didn't stay in the grave. And he beat death, he beat insecurities, he beat trials, he beat the darkest valleys. And his resurrection from the dead is the miracle that all of us have hope in. That we too, if we decide to follow Jesus and say, you are my Lord and Savior, we too will overcome our sin, will overcome our trials, and ultimately death. And Jesus is saying, you will partake in my resurrection with me. Because I love you that much. And I think one of the best resolutions that we can make in 2019 is to follow Jesus with all that we are and find a community of people who can surround us and help mature our faith because our faith continues to mature every time we take the next step. If you have questions about following Jesus, um, there will be people at the front at the end of the service, including myself. Um, but the trials may not end. There may be a long battle ahead, but have hope because Jesus is right there with you. And instead of sitting and withering away, we can walk forward with hope in the dark. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is I who no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith through the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.